Right, uh, Jamie Wallace with us this morning and uh, there's a really hot topic uh, in the world of rugby and it's coming out of the UK and they're fueling a lot of it too this morning and that is the um, Owen Farrell let off, I think he's got to say, in, in the nicest possible terms. Uh, they've um, squashed squashed his uh, punishment or any thought of a punishment uh, when it's gone to the judiciary. So uh, Jamie Wall will be all over this. Uh, big news out of England, uh, quite big news out of here on a matter of standards, I think, more than anything else, Jamie. Yeah, morning, Smithy. I mean, I can't get my hair around this. I mean, if I tried, I think Owen Farrell will probably drop his shoulder into it. So I, I, I just think that it really exposes the double standards that exist in uh, World Rugby's legal uh, system, whereby a, an act like this, which is just a nailed-on red card any day of the week, and, you know, I've got to give it to the referees. They use the, the new system that's worth, been working really well, the, the in-game review system, uh, whereby the ref... Uh, gave out a yellow and, and handed it over to the TMO and the TMO made the decision. And so for me, it's just a clear cut case of that system working, which is one of the few things uh, in terms of law changes that they've, law innovations that they've actually managed to get right, uh, working perfectly. And then it gets completely kneecapped by a judiciary who's wiped out, not, not just given them a, 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 you know, a little joke sentence of up until the World Cup starts, like actually making it so there's nothing at all uh, where, and then you have this other instance of George Moala uh, getting suspended for what was a bad tackle, and he deserves some sort of suspension for it, but getting 10 weeks uh, for that on the same day. And I'm hearing that, that they're, they're currently, I think, realising what's happening, and they're walking back um, at least Moala's suspension anyway to at least make it fit, uh, fit, the, fit the crime, I guess. But it just goes to show that it's really, this thing isn't really being run by a judiciary, it's not being run by referees, it's just being run by whoever can afford the high, uh, afford the best lawyers. And uh, the RFU are the richest, you know, one of the richest unions uh, in the world and they can afford them. And so it just means that as long as you've got money, you're going to be able to do what you want. And, and that's just unfortunately just a metaphor for society <laughs> as well. Uh, and it's and it's seeped over into into this, this this realm that's supposed to be something that we're supposed to be enjoying and 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 holding in high regard. And we go to World Cup, and 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 that's all we're going to be talking about is about uh, another case of someone getting let off for something for for, a, for committing an act that would have been a red card and a suspension for anybody else in the whole world. Well. It's Farrell as well. Uh, that's the thing. And the, the QC you're talking about, or the, the, the high-powered lawyer you're talking about, is a fellow by the name of uh, Richard Smith, who's been around the England scene for quite some time and has a great history of getting people off things. But it's it's are we are we just over-emphasising that? Because I'm not sure about you, but I don't kind of have a high regard uh, for Farrell because of his history. And I, I just wonder uh, whether this has worked against that or worked in it. I mean, this is an Australian-based panel we're talking about here. For sure, for sure. But I think that was just, uh, that this, this case was, uh, sorry, this verdict was come to on the strength of, of the case put forward by, by the lawyer. And it's not the first time it's happened uh, in an RFU setting. I remember in the last World Cup, um, Piers Francis, who, who spent uh, a couple of seasons with the Blues, 
uh, was let off, uh, had his red card rescinded during the World Cup and was free to play afterwards. So something that, you know, would have been a, been a red card and a suspension for anyone else, you know, in, in, from any other team. So I, I think that, yeah, I mean, you can look at the makeup of the judiciary and, and, and you know, try and point, put, poke holes in it, but really it's just come down to the fact that he's managed to find some sort of way of justifying this, and so they've had to go with what, he's, what he said, and that's the way that the, the law works for you know, other rich, rich guys that go to court, <laughs> is that, is that they, they have really good lawyers. And so it just... It's just the way that's the way it goes, and, and yeah, he's got a prior history. I mean, don't get me wrong; like, I I rate Farrell as a player. I think he's a really good, good player, and I I, I want to see him play. But at the same time, you, you have to um, up, uphold some standards of justice here because it's it's mm. just it's just ridiculous, and especially when when a guy like George Mawala who's playing for Tonga, who and I don't think the Tongan Rugby Union can afford the sort of legal support that the no. English Rugby Union can at all. Like that's that's the real story here. There it is. Uh, in fact, uh, we've had uh, a text in saying, uh, or a, a Twitter on this morning, we quoted saying rugby apartheid, which is uh, not what you want to hear, but some people are, are going along those lines. Uh, let's uh, talk on a more positive subject uh, about rugby, and it deserves to be talked about as well as uh, the NPC. Uh, and you see maybe uh, a bit of a light where they can create some special interest. Oh, yeah, this was, this was, this was a bit of an idea that my rugby team group chat was was tossing around, uh, mainly because a couple of guys in the chat were arguing whether Queenstown was in Southland or Otago. I, I'm not, I'm still actually not sure. Can, if someone can enlighten us, please let us know. Uh, but it is the one town in New Zealand that doesn't really have a rugby team that, that plays in. It's a pretty good place. And and we thought that the, the idea of some sort of NPC magic round in Queenstown would be a good idea. And that you could turn it into a rivalry game and the, and the number one rivalry game would be Southland Otago playing off for the right to, to claim Queenstown as part of the province. Uh, so that, that, was, that was just something because, like, let's, let's face it, the NPC the really does need something to kickstart it because you've had a lot of chat on this morning and it was very interesting to be hearing um, Cameron George and then earlier Justin Nelson uh, on the breakfast show uh, just talking about how fans centred their experiences and about how their product is entertainment first and foremost. And it was great to hear Cameron George talking about, um, you know, the 15-year-old kid who's come along for the first time and about how their whole plan is to make sure he comes back it might not be the next week. It might not be for a couple of years. But that's that's awesome to hear that they've got a real strategy in behind retaining fans because it's the one thing that the the NPC hasn't done at all, uh, and and that's that's why no one goes to it anymore. They they lost the complete generation of fans by not appealing to it. And it's and like we could talk about it all day, like what whose fault it is and and what problems there are. I mean, New Zealand rugby definitely deserves a, a massive share of the blame here. Uh, for treating it like just a development competition when it should have been an entertainment product. And if I was at Sky TV, I'd be pretty pretty annoyed about all this because they're showing this all these games every week. They've shown great support to the provincial game um, by broadcasting as many games as they possibly can, including Heartland Games and the and the Farrah Palmer Cup as well. And it just looks like shit on TV because no one's going to it. I mean, the rugby's good. But it looks like one, a, a game that my team would play uh, on the weekend, that sort of size crowd. Um, and so anything, I think, 
anything. I mean, I know the Queenstown idea is just a bit of a bit of a gag because it'd be just a nice way to you know get down and play a bit of golf and have a few beers and watch some footy for a couple of days. <laughs> but just but just anything right now would be better than better than what we've got. And it's because it's stagnated so hard and become such a means to an end. Why would you get? Why would you get invested in it? Why? Why would you? Uh, why would you care about who wins or loses when NZ Rugby themselves have just basically thrown their hands up and said, like, well, we don't really care. Just as long as it's producing Super Rugby players for for us, and mm-hmm. then at Super Rugby, well, they're saying they're kind of saying the same thing. And and you know, and then in a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be in London watching the All Blacks and the Springboks play for the Qatar Airways uh, Cup. Uh, at a neutral venue, and then you start to realise, like, as long as that that sort of stuff's happening, then they're not going to do anything about anything that's going on underneath it. And we all know who'll be sitting watching in the stands, and that'll be uh, the board, the chairman, uh, the CEO, the whole shooting box will be there. We know that. Um, and Qatar will probably fly them there for nothing. Uh, here's uh, another thing to look at in terms of the French campaign. Now, we love uh, these warm-up games, but we don't love them when we lose key players and players that are going to add to the tournament. Uh, Intermac out, sort of buy out uh, by the look of things. Uh, what difference do you think that makes to France? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Because I think that they definitely have uh, backup in there with Jalibert, who uh, did play, a, a, has played quite a number of tests at 10. So, I mean, I think they're, they're definitely losing something. But I, I feel like it's kind of like if the All Blacks lost Richie Moana, uh, there are guys in there to replace them. They're not going to be the same team, they're not going to play the same way. I mean, oh, maybe, you know, they'd bring Bowden Barrett into this life, and Jalibert's not Bowden Barrett, but it's not going to affect the way. Um, their, their forwards play obviously and that's what their, their game is based around is, is providing very very fast ball and getting it out to their back so I think I think it's going to slightly adjust the way that they play because Intermax such a brilliant um, runner of the ball and we saw that the last time that the All Blacks played France uh, but I still think it's going to be a very very tough game um, no matter what um, uh, for the All Blacks in that, in that, first, that first game but as far as a campaign goes, we know how brittle France can be over history. It's the one thing that they've managed to avoid doing in the last you know, few years. Uh, but you kind of always have that feeling in the back of your mind as someone who's watched France play for a long, long time that as soon as things start to go bad, it might just all collapse, and this might be the start mm-hmm. of that. So, I mean, from the, All Blacks, from the All Blacks' point of view, they're probably hoping that as well. Uh, but it's... You know, provided they still don't have any injuries, it's going to be it's still a very, very formidable French team um, that's going to take take the field in a couple of weeks. Well, uh, Jamie, uh, thanks for being uh, on the bulletin this morning. Um, we're uh, interviewing uh, Andrew McKenna. You may well know him from Talksport the UK. Uh, we've got uh, got to get uh, the feeling of what the UK sports journalists um, are thinking about this decision on Owen Farrell. So that's coming up after 11 o'clock, mate, if you've got the opportunity to listen. Um, thanks very much for your, your time. We, we will speak to you hopefully before you head off to the UK. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, certainly we'll be listening. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate it.